0: Welcome, and thanks for joining The Journey. Hi, my name is Leah, and I'm a worship pastor in Ohio and the creator and host of The Journey podcast and website. I'm on a journey to yes as I follow the Lord's leading in this season of my life, and I hope to inspire others to step out of the boat like Peter and walk on water, never looking to the left or right and getting distracted, but rather fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. My hope is that you find Jesus in your journey as you hear about my journey and the journey of those in the Bible who join Jesus along the way. I pray that you allow him to meet you where you are and trust him as he takes you where he wants you to go. Enjoy the journey. Welcome to episode 35 of The Journey. Today's episode is a Bible journey episode, but I'd also say it's a little bit of a mashup with a side road along the journey because I'm taking a Bible story but really up t- t- turning it around. Well, as I do always, applying it to our lives. So I guess we'll just we'll just label it as a Bible journey episode. And we're we're gonna talk about someone from the book of Judges, and I know that doesn't necessarily sound like super exciting because man some of the old testament is tough but there's a guy in the book of judges named Gideon and i feel like it ultimately ties back to a theme that i've already kind of gone over a couple times um on our, on our identity and so i am i am going to be speaking in youth for a little bit of time and i figure i might as well double duty so that the messages that i'm preparing for Youth will become my episode content, and there may be some weeks moving forward, especially as this uh, holiday season kind of kicks into high gear once November starts, uh, where I take some weeks off, and, and we'll see what happens uh, as we move into the new year. But for now, I'm going to stick with some content that I'm using for the teens and and just make it really applicable to all of us who listen to this podcast. So, like I said, this content is about identity and I've already covered identity twice. Episode 25 was called Identity and episode 26 was called Say What? Identity Part 2. So I really encourage you if you haven't yet to go back and listen to those episodes as well to hear more about finding your identity in Christ and and basing it on on what he says about you and not what anyone else or even yourself for that matter says about you. But today's content is um, going to focus more along the the story of Gideon and how that applies to us and our identity. So as always, when I do Bible story episodes, I uh, like to start with the backstory and the scripture and then go back and make the connections to our lives and how we can adjust how we view ourselves and uh, not using our lens or the lens of someone else, but rather the lens of, of how God views us. So like I mentioned, this is coming from the book of Judges. And uh, so the backstory is Israel is in bondage to Midian. Israel cries out to God. God sends a prophet who is in, in, uh, in essence, someone who speaks on his behalf. And then Israel realizes they are trying to blame Midian for all of their problems when, in fact, they are the actual problem themselves. We've seen Israel in this mess time and time again. But here they find themselves once again in bondage to Midian. And this prophet comes and then an angel appears to Gideon while he's in the wine press doing some work, kind of some wheat work, if you will, but undercover in the wine press as not to be found. So this is where we stumble upon ourselves as we enter the book of Judges, chapter six. So let's start reading in Judges six, fourteen through sixteen. It's when God calls Gideon. It says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed my clan is the weakest in Manessa, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. All right, so before I pause and talk about this particular piece, which is going to be uh, the basis for the rest of what I'm saying, I do want to go to two other portions of scripture and then summarize the ending of Judges 7. So Judges 6 to 17 and 20, this is what it says. So God has called Gideon, and then Gideon asks for a sign from God, and he says, If I found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that is you who's talking to me don't leave me. I pray until I come to you and bring out an offering and set it before you. So Gideon's going to go in, prepare an offering. He's saying, listen, hold tight, prove to me that it's you. Right? So, so this happens. So then he says, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And so he did. And the angel of the Lord put the end of the staff that was in his hand, touched the meat and the unleavened bread, the fire rose out of the rock, consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and then the angel disappeared. So there was a sign. He asked for a sign. That happened. So Gideon knew that it was, in fact, God who was calling him and that he was able to go forth in and, and what was being asked of him. So then a lot more transpires, and then we get to Judges 6, 36 to 40. So Gideon had gone home. He destroyed these idols. And then some doubt creeps in, and God assures Gideon, and this is what he says. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and it is on, is dry on the ground, then I shall know you will save Israel by my hand. And so it was. He woke up early. He squeezed the fleece. He wrung out the dew on the into a bowl full of water. And Gideon said, Okay, God, don't be angry with me, but let me speak once more. Let me test, I pray, once more with the fleece. Now let it be dry, the fleece only. In the ground, let the ground have dew. And so God did that night, just as he asked. It was dry on the fleece and there was dew on the ground. So God calls Gideon. Gideon's like, whoa, hold up. Uh, You know my clan is weak, and you know that I am the least in my family. So what the heck? Why are you asking this of me? And so then he says, show me a sign. He gets his sign. Then he says, whoa, 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 one more time. Can you do this? God does it. He's like, okay, I'm so sorry. Don't be mad at me, but let's let's try that one more time. So we've got this doubt creeping in. We're not really confident in who we are, right? So then Judges 7 comes up, and we have this battle against Midian. So Gideon goes with 32,000 men up against 135,000 Midianites, and he's told, okay, Gideon, send home every man who's in fear. So 22,000 of those men were afraid they went home, which leaves, if we do the math, 10,000 men. So now we've got 10,000 to 135,000 Midianites. But once again, God says, no, 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 let's separate the men with a test. Watch how they drink their water, okay? Okay. So they watch how they drink their water, and based upon this test and what was asked of him, 10,000 men then went to 300 men. So now we've got 300 to 135,000. So the Israeli army is now 1% of its original size, essentially, and there were 400 Midianites to one Israeli soldier. So if Gideon didn't doubt himself before certainly you can imagine how his uh feeling about right about now right his only option is to trust in god because there's literally no other reason except for to trust in god that that they're going to win because in any human capacity there's no way to have a victory when it's 300 to 135,000 like we're outnumbered one, 1 to 400 that's the chances we got right now it's not it's not happening so so gideon understands that he's got to fully and completely trust and rely on God. All right, so that's the story in a nutshell. That was a a lot packed in a very little, so I suggest, uh, like I always do, go back and read Judges 6 and 7 and maybe even a little more than that to get the full understanding of this story. But let's talk about how this applies to us. So the question I pose is, have you ever been in a similar situation as Gideon? At the beginning of the story, we we, we hear him, Basically saying, uh, woe is me, right? My plan my is weak. I am the least of these. Are, why are you calling me to do such things, right? So we can assume based upon his own personal statements that he didn't think highly of himself or his family. Had anyone ever felt like that? Certainly not me. <clears throat> Lying. Uh, so maybe you've been embarrassed about your own family. Maybe you've been embarrassed about where you've come from. Uh, maybe maybe none of that is applicable at all, but you have felt insecurities in yourself. And so like he's saying, he feels the least in his family. Maybe that's not where you sit, but you've got some other kind of insecurity or hang up about yourself. And and if we're being really honest with each other, we all have insecurities, right? There's, there's something in our, in, in who we are, or how we feel about ourselves, where we kind of are like, eh, not so sure how I feel about that. So I'm going to give a little bit of an example for myself. Um, if you've been listening for any length of time, you know that I grew up as a PK. A PK is a pastor's kid. My dad was in ministry uh, for my entire childhood, uh, even up into my adult years. He's still in ministry, just not a a lead pastor at a church. He's doing chaplaincy work. Love, love, love what he does for a living. And he's being used in his uh, passion in helping people in crisis. But, but anyways, growing up as a PK, we didn't have much money, right? We did well with what we had, um, but it was, it was meager um, um, amount. And so I can, I can remember, you know, we moved from place to place, uh, from state to state. And once we came to Ohio, where I currently live, actually, uh, we lived in a part of town that was a little bit run down. It's even more run down now than it was when I was growing up. Uh, we attended a school where most everyone had low-income families, and they needed free or re- reduced lunch, and today kids in this district don't have to apply for it because the it, it's such a low demographic that everyone uh, gets it, but back then, we had to apply for that in order to get a free or reduced lunch, and I can remember, you know, hand-me-down clothes, second-hand store clothes. I remember, you know, once a year, we would go to the Lodi outlets. It was the highlight of the year. We would go, and we would buy uh, some new name brand clothing. Uh, and, and I can remember, um, not so sure that I ever, you know, told my parents this, but I can remember even making sure that I would check prices and look at the clearance racks and discounted things. And even though they were name brand, they were kind of the cheaper version of the name brand because I just, I I knew where we were financially. And so that, that's kind of where we came from. So, um, not not in a negative or disrespectful way at all. We like I said, we did really well with my my parents were rock stars, rock stars. They worked their hind ends off to get everything that my sisters and myself needed. We had braces, we had we we were involved in all of the activities and they worked hard to make sure that we did not lack in any way and God was faithful. And so I'm not I'm not discounting any of that. I guess what I'm what I'm saying is from all appearances growing up from my perspective, I knew that we were different, if you will, in the way that we lived as compared to maybe some of the other people uh, that I went to school with. And, and I remember even in that, in this difference that I felt different from my sisters. I was the oldest. Uh, I felt like there was this role to fill as the oldest. My sisters were super girly. They had boyfriends. They had lots of friends. Again, from my perspective, they may have a different opinion of this scenario. Uh, they were cheerleaders. They wore pink, they did their nails, they did their hair. Uh, that was not me. I was a major tomboy. I was hyper-focused on my grades and being perfect in every way possible. A box that I'm sure I created for myself, uh, even though there were I, I'm probably some outside pressures too to make sure that I that I was doing what I should be doing. I, I can remember, you know, there were people in my life, even a youth pastor at one point who would say things like, you're a PK, you know better than that you know, there's an expectation of you and how you behave and what you say and what you do and everyone's watching you. And so like I had this idea of who I needed to be and how I needed to perform and and what I needed to look like, although I never really felt like I measured up in that area. Uh, I just I was I felt like I was always the fifth wheel in in the friend group. I, I felt like I was the outcast Um, My haircut was 100% less than desirable. I was bullied for my clothing. I was bullied for my my shoes. Anything you can imagine. I remember a man showing up in middle school with a pair of bright purple solid purple tennis shoes and I was a lover of all things shoes and watches like they were my thing and I thought these shoes were amazing and I showed up in these purple shoes and not everyone agreed with with what I thought. And so because I wanted to make sure that I was liked by people, I decided that maybe they weren't the coolest thing. So I ditched the purple shoes. But I've said it before, middle school was a terrible time. Even now, middle school is a terrible time. So I do thank God for getting me through those years and uh, taking me into high school because there was definitely a bit of a reprieve when I felt like after joining the music department that I found my people and that I could fit in a little bit more. And I could tell you countless stories of things that people have said about me. Matter of fact, if you go back and listen to several other episodes, you're gonna hear some of those stories uh, because I, I, I've i shared those with you. And It's not the time for me to sh- rehash that now, but things that have been said about me and you know, vividly remembering how some of the interactions just left me at some super low po- points in my life, very low self-esteem, very limited confidence in who I was or who I thought I was. And I can remember, you know, I remember being embarrassed about telling people that my dad was a pastor because then they would, you know, they would know that I don't cuss. I didn't I didn't watch PG-13 movies. I didn't drink smoke. I didn't have sex before marriage. You know, you name it. I, I didn't do it because, again, right or wrong, I had this understanding that I had a standard or an expectation based upon the fact that I was a PK, right? That I had this, this label slapped on me because of my father's prof- profession. And so I adhered to that. I, I told the line. I did not, I don't have one of those, you know, stories like some people do where they, you know, they were a Christian and then they went wayward and they did all of this stuff. And, you know, I don't, I don't have that story because even till this day, I definitely have this kind of feeling like, I'm always being watched and I've gotta make sure that I'm I'm doing everything right, dotting my I's and crossing my T's and and living this, you know, up to this this bar that's been set. And so I think that I think that even into my, you know, adult years, I've talked about this before that my my self-esteem was greatly impacted by by things that have been said and done. And so I've wrestled with them for years and I've really started to do this process and this work to kind of move past hurt from the past. And not only that, but I think to reestablish this bar that I think I set and I felt like was set for me, but really making sure that the bar lines up with the word of God and what he wants from me. And I think that that's where I am right now in my life. And it sounds so crazy because I'm I'm getting older, right? I'm pushing 40. 40 is right around the corner for me. And uh, so it's silly to me to think that 40 years later, I'm just now figuring out that this bar that I've been trying to live up to has been set in a ridiculous place by other people and by myself. And that I haven't allowed myself to adjust and say, okay, God, what is it you have for me? What, what expectations do you have for me? And allowing myself some grace when I feel like I can't measure up to that. So anyways, I don't know how I really got off on that train, but I don't know you. I don't know your story. I don't know how you're feeling today. And all I know is like, I know how difficult it was to live for Jesus and to be proud of that fact in my life when I was younger. And I can imagine that, especially for teens, teens today, really, you know, if I'm talking to some teens, be proud of who you are. And I wouldn't even just say teens, I'd be anybody in your life. Be proud of who you are in Christ and represent that so well because the struggle is real, right? It's real. And so, We have to remind ourselves constantly that we are children of the king all the time. Someone actually sent sent that to me in a text yesterday. I was having a little bit of a low day and, and they said, you are a child of the king. Straighten your crown, hold your head high and stand in that authority today. And I'm saying that to you today because I needed that pick me up. I needed that. So maybe you're saying, okay, what in the world? How does this, you said this was a Bible journey. How does this get back to Gideon? Well, let's look back at Gideon. He doubted himself, he doubted his abilities, but God yet asked for him to do something. And so then he said, God, show me a sign. Okay, God showed the sign. He still didn't have confidence. So then he said, you know, prove yourself in this way and prove yourself in that way. And God showed up time and time again and proved himself and he called Gideon. And Gideon then had to believe that he could be used because God was calling him. And remember, Gideon wasn't alone. It was God plus Gideon. Right, Gideon had no reason to believe in himself at this point because of the scenario, and the fact that he had 300 men, but he had to believe God for the victory. And it didn't make any sense for the Israeli army to defeat the Midianites at all, but God. And this is where it applies to us again. God doesn't look at us through the lens of the labels we've assigned ourselves, through these expectations that others have slapped on our backs. He sees us through his eyes. So where we see weakness and insignificance, God sees strength and value. So then I ask you, what label or identity have you assigned to yourself? Or maybe others have assigned to you. Do you see yourself as an academic scholar? Maybe you see yourself as a writer, as an athlete, a musician, someone who's techie, right? These things are not things that define you. They're just part of who you are, things that you do. They're, But they're not what make, it's part of what makes you you, but they're not you right? Maybe you've heard some things in your life like, you're never going to measure up to, or you can't do that. You're not good enough to be this. You're not as pretty as so-and-so, or y- you don't have as much talent as this person, so there's no way you can do that. You're too young for this, or you're too old for that. Your opinion doesn't matter, so you might as well not open your mouth at all. You, your voice has no value. Fill in the blank for yourself. You name it, you probably heard it, But God wants to heal you and he wants to remove the hurts and the labels and the identity that you carry based upon what you think or what others think of you. And he wants you to know that he sees you. He wants you to know that you're loved, that you're cared for, that he created you for a purpose. And just like Gideon, he wants to use you. But you have to be open and willing to put aside your own identity, to take on the identity of who you are in Christ, to step into that with the authority that you've been given in Christ and he wants to walk with you and prove himself faithful to you over and over and over again as you fully trust him. So are you going to answer the call? Are you going to put aside what any other person says about you? And are you going to step up and say, okay, this may be how I feel. This may be how I think. This may be how I behave, but I know that that is false. I know that that is a lie. I know that that is not truth or reality, although sometimes reality, right? Perception becomes our reality. How we think, how we feel tends to feel real, but that's not real. So let's find the truth in who God says that we are, and let's stand in that. Let's be firmly rooted in that scenario, because that is, in fact, the truth for ourselves. But you have to be willing to put aside what you think and what you think other people think and put on the lens and the ears and the eyes of Christ and say, okay, I am who I say you say I am. I am. Who you say I am. There's a song. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am, right? Who does he say that you are today? And as I sign off on this episode of The Journey, my prayer for you and for myself is that we would once again remind ourselves of who we are in Christ and we would stay rooted in knowing that we are children of the King. We can straighten our crowns. We can walk with our chins held high, not in a boastful or prideful manner, but because we have the authority in Christ to do so. I also want to put this out there. I would really encourage you to go listen to a video on YouTube called Identity in Christ by one of my very favorite speakers. Her name is Priscilla Shearer, and uh, her last name is S-H-I-R-E-R, if you're going to go Google that, Identity in Christ by Priscilla Scherer. It is the most powerful message, and it is based on this exact same story uh, from Judges on Gideon. And if you don't have time to listen to all of it, although I would find time to listen to all of it, Would you zoom in to minute 47 and then listen from 47 to the very end? I promise you won't take, you will not regret the time that you take to do that. It just reiterates what I said, but man, she's, she's powerful. She is power punched and being used mightily by God. And so I encourage you to take time to do that. I encourage you to remember who you are in Christ and I'm praying for you today. Thanks for listening to The Journey. I'd love to connect with you and hear your story and how you are journeying with Jesus. You can go to my website, leahmenzi.wixsite.com slash the-journey and click the contact tab to connect with me through the form. Email me at leahmenzi at gmail.com or check me out on Instagram and send me a private message. Until next time, journey on.